Titanic 2. It is just an iceberg and a sinking. And, just as last time, there are not enough lifeboats. The captain shouts, Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please! Step this way, please! That's right! Come towards me! Thank you! Good! For the time being, I shall require only women and children. Gentlemen, right here. This time, another voice is heard. Yeah, okay, but, but why women? Why indeed? Part of the charm of the cosmically successful movie Titanic was the period costume, period extravagance, period class prejudice. An audience can enjoy these at a distance. Oddly, however, of all the period mores in the film, the old maritime tradition of only women and children enjoys total acceptance by modern audiences. Listen to the booing and hissing at the on-screen heavies who try to sneak on with or ahead of the ladies. But is not grouping women with children a raging anachronism? Should not any self-respecting modern person, let alone feminist, object to it as patronizing and demeaning to women? Yet, its usage is as common today as it was in 1912. Consider these examples taken at random from newspapers. Dateline, Mexico. Members of a paramilitary group gunned down Indians, most of them women and children. Dateline, Burundi. As many as 200 civilians, most of them women and children, were killed. Dateline, Croatia. Kaprashkit was named in an open indictment for the massacre in Amishi, in which 103 Muslims, including 33 women and children, were killed. At a time when women fly Comet aircraft, how can one not wince when adult women routinely class with children? In Amishi, it seems, 70 adult men were killed. Adult women? Not clear. When things get serious, when blood starts to flow or ships start to sink, you'll find them with the children. Now, children are entitled to special consideration for two reasons, helplessness and innocence. They have not yet acquired either the faculty of reason or the wisdom of experience. Consequently, they are defenseless, incapable of fending for themselves, and blameless, incapable of real sin. That is why we grant them special protection. In an emergency, it is our duty to save them first because they, helpless, have put their lives in our hands. And in wartime, they are supposed to enjoy special immunity because they, blameless, can have threatened or offended no one. Women and children attributes to women the same pitiable dependence and moral simplicity we find in five-year-olds. Such an attitude made sense perhaps in an era of male suffrage and help-wanted female classifieds. Given the disabilities attached to womanhood in 1912, it was only fair and right that a new standard of gender equality not suddenly be proclaimed just as the lifeboats were being handed out. That deference, a somewhat more urgent variant of giving up your seat on the bus to a woman, complemented and perhaps compensated for the legal and social constraints placed on women at the time. But in this day of the most extensive societal restructuring to grant women equality in education, employment, government, athletics, in citizenship writ large, what entitles women to the privileges and reduces them to the status of children? The evolutionary psychologist might say that the ladies to lifeboats is an instinct that developed to perpetuate the species. Women are indispensable childbearers. You can repopulate a village if the women survive and only a few men, 
but you cannot repopulate a village if the men survive and only a few women. Women, being more precious, biologically speaking, than men, evolution has conditioned us to give them the kind of life-protecting deference we give to that other seed of the future, kids. The problem with this kind of logic, however, is its depressing reductionism. It recapitulates in all seriousness the geneticist's old witticism that a chicken is just an egg's way of making another egg. But humans are more than just egg layers, and chivalrous traditions are more than just disguised survival strategies. So why do we say women and children? Perhaps it's really women for children. The most basic bond, after all, is maternal. Equal parenting is great, but women, from breast to cradle to cuddle, can nurture in ways that men never could. And thus, because we value children, after all, who would deny them first crack at the lifeboats? Women should go second. The children need them. But, kitty centrism can only get you so far. What if there are no children on board? You are on Titanic 3. A singles cruise. No kids. No moms. No dads. Now. Iceberg. Lifeboats. Action. Here's my scenario. The men, out of sheer irrational gallantry, should let women go first. And women, out of sheer feminist self-respect, should refuse. Result? Stalemate. How does this movie end? How should it end? Hurry. The ship's going down.